Um, yesterday was the day of remembrance. And is there anybody here that has served in any capacity with the military, Navy, any capacity with that, with the government and serving our country? If you, if you have, could you stand? And in light of the events of this past week, if there's any of you that serve as first responders and serving the public, could you also stand? I just want to increase our remembrance and thankfulness today. So if you could also stand. Why don't we give them a loud clap and appreciation? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We wanted to take a few minutes um, to talk about this week. Um, this week was an amazing, crazy week, and it, to be honest with you, it kind of uh, affected me in a bigger way than I expected. And in light of this, this week, just, I love you, number one. But number two knows where that goes. Um, we were talking and praying and saying, Lord, what can we do? Because I don't want this week to just be another week that passes by. Our whole community was affected. Um, not just our community, but this whole region. And I was quite shocked myself at my emotion. I had anger. I had disappointment. I had sadness. I had some amazing pride as I watched what, what tremendous honor their colleagues and the community got up. And as the last couple days, as they had a procession from Vancouver through to the um, funeral home, the amount of honor that was displayed was baffling, was phenomenal. And in that, I had just an immense amount of pride. And as we were navigating this week, I contacted, uh, we, we talked with someone and they got back to me and I said, what can we do as a body for this fallen police officer? And as we talked about it, there, there is a couple things. If you go on site, you'd find some GoFundMe pages from the police department for the family. But I didn't want to do something necessarily for the family. I know the family is being taken care of. We have a card at the back for the family. But I also wanted to take some time to thank those that serve day in and day out in the past and going forward. And as we talked about it, somebody gave me a call that knows that line of work and those individuals in that business and in that capacity. And as we were talking, I shared with them and I said, well, this is my idea. And the response was, I think that's a great idea. And I should say my idea, it's our idea. And uh, so why don't you share what you were thinking? So what we'd like to do as a body, and we're going to give you an opportunity to participate with that today is we want to actually take this opportunity to sow a seed of honor into our community. And uh, 
our idea was to give a Tim Hortons gift card, not to the department, but to every individual officer that serves in Abbotsford Police Department. So, but we had no idea how many police officers that was or what that would even look like. So there is about 212 police officers uh, in Abbotsford, and we want to bless them with each with a, with a gift card. And we're going to start at $5, but as we've been praying into it this week, I really believe that we're actually going to probably be able to do more than $5 a card. Um, I just... I just feel that uh, that we're going to have more come into that. So if you would take an offering envelope, if every family or if you're a single here, if you could take an offering envelope into your hand right now and a pen, even if you um, have no money to sow today, and please do not use your missions money or your tithe. <laughs> it's opportunity for sowing. This is a seed. So as you're thinking about what the Lord would have you sow a seed of honor into the Abbotsford Police Department, if you don't have an offering envelope, if you could raise your hand, one of the ushers would be happy to bring you one. While you're thinking about that and praying about it as I'm talking, I want you to flip. I want everyone to turn your envelope over to the back side. And I want you to write on the back side of your envelope what you are going to target the seed for. So when you sow a seed, which is different than tithe, it's different than alms, it's different than offering, it's a seed. You're planting it into the ground and you're expecting it to produce. I always go for the big, I want 100%. But what are you sowing for? So when the farmer goes to sow seed and he sows corn, what is his expectation of the seed? He's expecting to reap corn. Amen? So Pastor David and I were praying and talking about it, and I'll share with you what we're targeting our seed for. We are targeting our seed that the kingpin and the back of the gangs in Abbotsford will be broken. And that the Townline Hill conflict will be brought down to nothing. That's what we're targeting our seed for. Okay, so are you grabbing hold of the vision that I'm laying before you? So what do you want to target your seed for? Put that on the back of your envelope right now. We're just going to take a few moments. This event was not gang related or gang violence related, just so you know. But that's still what... Pastor David and I are targeting our seed for. Now, I just want to talk a little bit more. Some of you may not have finances to sow a seed of honor. And if that is you today, can you commit to praying for the Abbotsford Police Department workers for 90 days? Okay? That is also a seed. If you do not have money today and you want to sow into this, we will be, um, you can put in an envelope that says the amount 
and the date when you would have it in by. We're hoping that we're going to have this all taken care of and be delivering it to them by the end of November. Okay, so if that's something that you want to participate in and you don't have it today, put on how much you are so that we can actually budget and we can actually figure out what we're doing and then when you could have it in by. Okay, on these envelopes, you can just write APD on them. Okay. Um, just a clarification, over the next couple of weeks we will be receiving, we're not 100% sure what timeline yet, um, just with the logistics. When you sow seed, when you pick up seed from the grocery store or from the nursery, it actually says what that seed will produce. And I can't stress it enough to target your seed. What what does that seed in that envelope represent? And then learn how to speak to your seed. And don't speak words of, this will never happen. Well, this is just crazy. It's not going to work. Sometimes we have great intentions, but our words actually defeat our purposes. So I want to encourage you, if, if, I, if you walk in my garden, I don't walk through my literal garden saying, raspberry bushes don't grow. Oh, what a pain you are. I walk in there and I go, man, I can't wait to taste my raspberries. I can't wait to grab them. I can't. And that's what you do with your seed, and it's an act of faith. And, and another thing is, you will hear a lot about money at Solid Rock. I make no apologies for talking about money. Because the more people I talk to, the more people I realize need money. And one thing I have found, the best financial advisor I know is the Word of God. And I go to the Word of God before I talk to my financial advisor, and I do have a financial advisor that I've talked to. But everything I do is filtered through the Word of God. And it is giving. And I am a steward of the money he has given me. The money I have is not my own money. It is his money that he has entrusted David Stunenberg to take care of. And if I want it to grow, the best way I know how it will grow is I honor him in what I do. And I literally give it away. I had two amens. I literally will steward his money that he gives me by giving it away. And when he sees that I'm faithful in a little, he gives me more. And if there's some of you that are saying you can't afford it, can I say, can you grab a loony? I'm serious. Can you do a loony? One seed still produces. And, and I will make no apologies for talking about money because I want every single one of you to have more than enough. It bothers me that people do not have enough money in the kingdom to take care of their family and to take care of others. That is not right. And if you want to see an increase, you start making a way for increase by honoring God and giving to him. And quite frankly, the tithe to me is just my starting point. Everything I have belongs to him.
So we're going to receive the second offering as a seed offering for the first responders for the police force. And Amen. So we're going to receive the offering this morning. So if you have it with you today, awesome. If you don't, you can put it, uh, you can do a little IOU on an envelope or you can write 90 days. I'm going to be committed to praying. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for our community. Lord, we love Abbotsford. We love our community. Father, and we are targeting our seed of honor and we're putting a seed of honor into our community today. And we are expecting a hundredfold return on our seed, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you would just be with the family today, Lord, that your oil would just soothe and heal and heal the wounds, Father. And Lord, that you would be with every police officer and every police officer's family today. And Lord, we just take authority over any fear that could be gripping those households, Lord, that that has no authority to rule in their homes, Lord. But we just decree protection and peace over our police force and their families today. And everyone said... Amen. Hallelujah. The other thing, um, so there's two cards at the back. There's one for the Abbey PD, which is a thank you card. And then there's a card for the family, which is a condolence card. Um, James is in the palliative care. Um, If you would like to go visit him, I know he would really love to see some faces. So if you have an opportunity to pop up and see James, that would be awesome. And uh, Pastor David and I have his room number, um, which you can get from us. Um, Also, we've had a prayer request come in for um, somebody that we know uh, that has uh, been been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, so I'd just like to lift them and James up together. So if you want to just stretch out your hand, and let's just lift James up and just begin to pray for James this morning. Pray for Charlene and her leg this morning. Just get vocal with the Lord and just pray for them. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Father. We just take authority over cancer in the name of Jesus. And you may not rule these bodies any longer, but we command you to die. We command every cancer cell in the name of Jesus to be gone in these two men's bodies, that they would rise up in health. Whole healthy cells would rise, be healed in Jesus' name. We are calling forth a miracle in their lives, Father. We just pray for Charlene and her leg, Lord, that you would just 100% heal that that bacteria would be gone in the name of Jesus. It would not lie dormant in her body, and it would be gone and never to return in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Children, you are dismissed for Kids Church. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you could turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 14. This morning, I want to take a few moments to talk about righteousness. And, and this sermon was birthed out of the events of this past week. And I don't always, I don't always go to the current events because uh, if you're not careful, you can go all over the place because this world is crazy and things are happening. But this week... Um, Abbotsford was affected in a big way 
And as I was praying and meditating, I believe the only hope for our world, the only hope for Abbotsford is Jesus. And I looked at it and I said, Jesus, what have you done? And, and quite frankly, the response that I was getting in my heart was, Jesus has done something, but what am I doing? And that hit me. And I realized that as I look at these things and, and, and what's happened is if I want to see change, I have to actually change some of the things I'm doing right now because what I'm doing right now isn't changing or having an effect. So therefore, some, I have to add something to my life or delete something else from my life in order to see a positive change. So this morning, giving, I had to give beyond what I typically give in order to see something positive happen in our community. And I had to adjust some things in my life. And as I was studying and meditating upon this, the thought that came to my mind was in Proverbs 14, verse 34. It says, righteousness exalts a nation. Right living. Right standards. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a disgrace to any people. And as I was meditating on this, I, the word righteousness just kept resonating inside of me. And if I was to title this sermon, I would title it, Living Right in a Wrong World. Now, I've grown up in Christian church. When I was a little kid, I actually threw up during a church service. Literally, I was underneath the pew on the side of the, and I threw up, and my mom actually took me downstairs into the women's bathroom to clean me up. And it scarred me. <laughs> so I've heard this saying, that saying. I've heard this thing and that thing. I've heard people say, well, the world's getting better, and, and, and this and the church is going this way. And what I'll tell you this much from what I know is the world is not going to get any better. Sin and sinners sin. But I also know that the church is going to get brighter. And I am not a doomsdayist that says the world's getting terrible, so therefore, no. What I'm seeing is a schism and a delineation that the darkness is, seems to be getting darkness, but the brightness, you and I need to be in the exact opposite, getting brighter and brighter and brighter. I don't see the world coming to me and saying, change, I see it getting worse. I've got to be honest with you. But I don't live in despair because I also read in the word of God that he's coming for a bride that is beautiful, that is holy, that is pure. And that's you and me. And that involves righteousness. So this morning I want to talk about what are you doing in your life and in your community and in your sphere And I would suggest to you that every single one of you already has inside of you the seed, the ability, the power to create and to see change happen. Yes. You don't have to wait 
for God to come and hit you with a thunderbolt. You don't have to come up here in front and line up and have Pastor Nelson pray for you because when I pray for you, you don't fall down. But when Pastor Nelson prays for you, you fall down. And I'm asking God, actually, quite frankly, I'm asking God to have that happen. Not that it's some crazy thing, but just for me to know that there's power being transmitted. But, I mean, you get around Pastor Nelson, and he's so sensitive to the power of the Spirit. But there's something inside of you already, resident inside of you, and it starts with how you look at yourself. So this morning, I, I, I took up the word righteous, and I've got this amazing computer program, and it just spit out all this stuff about righteousness, and it was amazing. And so I took that, and, and I reconfigured it, looked at it, pulled out some verses, and I just want to share with you, and it might even be more of a teaching time, but I want to share with you some thoughts about righteousness or right living. First of all, the, the picture that I want you to see is you are already righteous. You are righteous. Because in, in, in Romans, it talks about Abraham, and it says, and he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And then if you continue reading in Romans, you will find out that when you believe in God, have faith in Jesus, he looks at it, and he counts it as righteousness. And in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. So from the start, as a believer, you start in a place, in a position, and we refer to this a lot as position. My position is that I'm righteous. It says that he translated us from the kingdom of darkness. He didn't say he left us in the kingdom of darkness and just touched us. It said he took us out of that kingdom and he placed me into the kingdom of his dear son. So you and I, when we accepted Christ and the work that he did and the redemption that he gave and the fact that he took our place and when we accepted that, we were literally translated, moved from that kingdom to this kingdom. I live in righteousness. You live in righteousness. So that is my starting point. That is your starting point. So when we talk about righteousness, this is not something you've got to conjure up. This is not something that you've got to take three steps this way, two steps this way. It's not even a treasure map that you've got to try to figure out. Take 16 steps this way and turn now. No, you are righteous already. Because you believed in Jesus and you, when you believed in the work that he did to save your soul, it says that he translated us, he took us from there and placed us here. I no longer live in darkness. It doesn't mean I struggle because I've yet to find a perfect Christian. And if you think so, just watch how agitated you get getting out of the driveway. 
but I don't live here. I don't function with the old mindset. I have a new mind. I have a new process. I have a new way of filtering things. I have a new way of processing things. I have a new way of seeing things. I have a new way because I am now in him and I am righteous in him. So I start in righteousness. If you study biology... You don't even have to study it. We are referred to as human beings. We be righteous. It's just who we are. But what I would like to take today is I'd like to take some steps into doing righteousness. Because what I find with Christ is it's not so much that he says, great, now that you're righteous, I'll see you later. He says, no, now that you're righteous, I want you to start living that out. Do you catch that? Because sometimes we say, oh, no, now you're starting into getting into works. Yes, I am. But I work out of who I am. I don't work into becoming what he said. I am already righteous, and because I am righteous, my life will be an example of righteousness in everything that I do. My doing happens to come out of my being. I don't get my being from what I do. I get my doing from what I be. So I want to take a few minutes. Right standing with God. If you were to get a visual of the picture of righteousness, one of the aspects of the word of righteousness is there's a hook. Or it grabs you. And if you were to actually visually try to get a picture of righteousness and what it looks like, it would look like that you are grabbed or that you're hooked by his righteousness and that your life follows after that. In other words, it's almost like he grabbed you and now because I've been grabbed by his righteousness, everything I do, I, I don't look that way anymore. Now I'm looking at what he's done. And all of a sudden, those things that I used to do, I've been grabbed. I am grabbed. I am captured by what he has done for me. Paul says, if I could only apprehend or tackle and grab what grabbed me. And the picture of righteousness that we see is a picture that says I'm grabbed and everything else follows because of what I've been grabbed from. Think of that. I'm grabbed by his righteousness, so everything I do follows that picture. His righteousness. In other words, I'm captured by his goodness. So the things I do, I will do good. Why? Because, oh man, I've been captured, I've been dragged, I've been hooked by the righteousness, by the goodness of Christ. Therefore, because he's good, I want to do good. I don't want to hurt somebody and now I want to be good to them. Why? Because of the goodness of Christ that grabbed me and hooked me and pulled me. Therefore, his righteousness, it impels me, it, it drags me, it calls me and it pulls me to do good. I don't do good to do this. I do good because of what he's done. 
I'm pulled and I'm hooked because of his grace. Grace and mercy. I'm hooked by his mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And grace is when you get what you don't deserve. I'm hooked because I deserved separation from him. I deserved a penalty. I deserved death. I did not deserve anything of merit or value. And what did he do? He came and he plucked me and he transferred me. And he said, David, I know you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you. And because of that, I'm hooked by that. And I've met people that have literally said to me, because of what Jesus did for me, I can't do anything but. And because of his mercy, and I did not get what I deserved, I will not give people what they deserve. That is not easy. This week I had anger that I did not understand. And I was battling with what would happen if that happened to me? Would I be ready to forgive? <sighs> that last week there was a terrible massacre in Texas. 25 people in a church facility. And they interview the pastor. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. You deserve that, but that's not what I'm going to do. And then in, in addition to that, he says, you know what, David? This is what you need. <laughs> and you're not even capable of it. But I'm going to give it to you. And that's grace. So not only did I not get what I deserved, but I also got what I didn't deserve. And I'm hooked by that. Righteousness is not just a place. And if we're not careful, sometimes we just rest in the idea, I'm righteous in Christ, and we just stay there. No, righteousness in Christ demands action. Righteousness in Christ demands a response from David. Righteousness in Christ demands a response to something. Because I'm righteous, therefore I will do. And I'm hooked by what Christ done. I'm hooked by his goodness, by his grace, by his mercy. I'm hooked by his offering. His offering. He saw me. 2,000 years ago, he saw me before the foundation of the world when you study it. And he said, he's worth it, and I will offer my life for David. I'm hooked by his love. That's something this world needs, is to experience his love. Hooked by his love. I'm hooked by his faithfulness, by his greatness, and by his example. It's a picture that has a, has a picture that 
the right placement of God in my life is to grab me and to pull me into what he wants. So righteousness, when I experience the righteousness of God, it is not passive, but it is actually active. And it's not passive just to keep me there and there is an aspect of it that that's my place, but I actually live from this place. I no longer live in darkness, but he's translated me. So every single thing I do, I now do from a place of righteousness. Peace with God. Right standing with God. The word righteous also means justice and straight. Have you ever heard somebody say, are you being straight with me? You hear a story, are you being straight? That's actually, if you were to study the, the biblical, that's actually in the same context of righteousness. God is straight with you. He's straight. He's not like, oh, here's imagination. He's not an illusionist that goes, look what I pulled out. And then you go to grab it and it's like, where did it go? That's not, he's straight. He's, he's just like, no, this is what I have for you. And because of that, I am not permitted or allowed to manipulate because I need to be straight with you. Because his righteousness demands not only that I am righteous, but it says now, David, now I want you to walk in that way. In the Old Testament picture of righteousness, and you see it, it says in Isaiah that his city was to be called the city of righteousness. He said that nations would see it. Righteousness, I'm just reading some thoughts here for you for sake of time. Righteousness is to characterize God's people. <laughs> How many times do we shoot our brothers? Well, that church does it that way. Yeah, they're crazy. And right away, we can we not celebrate and be thankful. I have three or four brothers in this, in this city that I meet with, that I fellowship with, that don't do church the identical way as we do. But you know what? I cheer them on, and literally almost every week we're in contact texting each other because I want they're reaching people I'm not. It says in Proverbs, and we read this one already, righteousness is exalts a nation. So when we as believers are righteous and we start walking in that way, if it can exalt a nation, I cannot understand why it would not affect a city. And some of you might not even have faith for the country. Can you have faith for Abbotsford? And if you're struggling with saying, can righteousness actually affect Abbotsford? Can I ask you, can it affect your neighborhood? Can it affect your home? It's not designed just to affect you. It starts here, but it is designed and it is potent enough to affect this country. Righteousness. And I can see this country of Canada 
being a righteous country and being exalted that other nations look around and say there's something about Canada. And I can't understand it. I can't explain it because they sometimes are blind to what God is doing, but they just want to shimmy up close to Canada because Canada's got some. I am not done with Canada, and God's not done with Canada. I want to see Canada rise up as a nation that's exalted above all other nations. Why? Because we're righteous, and righteousness exalts a nation. And in order for righteousness to exalt a nation, there must be somebody righteous in order to do it. I'm like one page in. I'm pulling a Pastor Nelson. It also means on how you control or conduct your business. Righteousness affects how you conduct business. It's not some just spiritual thing that, ooh, I'm righteous. You know, I wake up in the morning and I go, ooh, I'm righteous. No, righteousness affects how you walk. It affects what you look at. Pornography, I do not look at pornography because I'm a righteous person. I don't go into situations and I abstain from the appearance of evil because the Word of God says it, but because I am also, because I'm righteous. Righteousness affects how I conduct my business. I was talking to my sons and they're starting a business and I said, no, this is how you need to do it. Not because the competition demands it, it's because you guys are going to be ethical and you're going to walk in a way that is ethical. Businessmen, do you have balances and scales that are equal? Do you treat one person one way and another person another way? Employers, employees, do you come in early, sign in, and then go have your coffee, and then start work? Well, it's getting awful quiet. I, I know business. I used to be in it, and I know there's these time clocks, but people learned how to manipulate the time clock. They'd show up, show their face, they'd time in, and then they'd sit at the coffee table. That's not ethical. That's not righteous. That's not straight. I also knew businesses that didn't treat their employees well. It goes both ways. God wants his people to be a model of how people should treat one another. The world's not going to figure it out. <laughs> we can't even figure out if we're guys or girls. The world is not going to figure this out. But you and I, as righteous people, are people who will figure out how to treat one another and we will model it as righteousness and people will see it. Why? Because the Word of God demands and expects, as a righteous person, I will also have righteousness come out of me. This city will not automatically do something that's righteous, although we have some righteous people in government, and I'm so thankful for that. But we need to support them, and we need to stand with them, and we need to be there with them so that it's not just one or two, but there's three, four, five. It says in the Bible, one person can put a ten to flight. Can you imagine what two people, a thousand? Can you imagine what three, four, five, a thousand people can put to flight? David and Goliath... One guy, a little guy, 
a teenager with a stone. And everybody got stronger and grew a foot taller because of what he did. And the enemy turned its tail and ran. And I believe when we stand up for righteousness, yeah, it will be a battle. Don't kid yourself. Nobody likes to give up territory. The enemy doesn't, and neither do I. You play a game with me, and if I lose, we're going to play again. <laughs> and we're going to play again till I've won two out of three, or four out of five, or whatever it takes, as long as I can stand and say, I beat you. I grew up with brothers. I'm a sore loser. <laughs> Come on. Righteousness. If you take a step for righteousness, you will have some kickback. Don't let that deter you. And let, and instead, let that fuel you. And don't make it all spiritual. Well, the devil must be... No, sometimes it's just people are uncomfortable with change and they don't realize, and you know what? This guy's coming in to set something straight. And he's good. And you don't, write, you don't fight flesh and blood. God's been impressing on me righteousness. Righteousness. In the New Testament, we're to seek him first and his righteousness. And it's not just our right standing with him, but when I seek his righteousness, it affects me and it affects the way I do things. I don't do things the way sometimes I'd like to. Because I have submitted myself to the Lord. And the Lord says, David, my righteousness demands a certain behavior. And it will not permit you to have an attitude or unforgiveness or anger towards that person. And I have actually had to change when I did not want to. Why? Because I'm committed to righteousness. I've had people hurt me. And I argued with God. I remember one time I was driving and I was talking to God. And I actually said, God, can you deal with them? And then I tried to tell them how to deal with them. And I'm having this conversation. A pastor. So if a pastor has this conversation, I just can't imagine what all of us would think. Come on, we can laugh. I had this conversation. I said, God, can you do it this way? And he said, no. Will you do this? And I said, no, God, I'd really like you to do this. And he said, no, David. And, he, he just, and it's funny. He just keeps me back to the same spot. He doesn't change it. He just, what did I say the first time? And I said, well, can you just tweak it a little bit and make their life miserable? No. Will you forgive? Well, I'll forgive, but can you? And he said, no, will you forgive? And this went back three or four times. Finally, I said, okay, I'll forgive. That moment, literally that moment, it changed. Because I was determined. I, I, I am committed. I can justify why I have that attitude. But I can't justify it in the word of God. 
I can justify why I'm upset. I can justify why, you know, he cut me off. He actually cut me off. Therefore, I can follow him down the street. I can honk my horn. I can flash my lights. I can do all these passive-aggressive things to him because uh, I don't really get out and do anything aggressive, so it's all passive. And so I'll do all these things. And God says, no, will you let him go? Well, just one honk. I mean, I wave, but I don't do single-finger salutes or anything like that. I just wave, but sometimes I go like this, and sometimes I'll even roll down the window and put my... No, am I prepared to let that go because righteousness demands what the Word of God says because that's who God is. And as we face our community, as we face our community... Our community needs righteousness to stand up and be accounted for and to be bold and to be strong. Not on a soapbox, but on my knees. And this week, i got to be honest with you, I was hit. I didn't, I've heard these things in the news. I've seen these things on media and all this stuff. And it hit this neighborhood it was about two and a half miles from where we live. My son actually saw part of the chase. And it was like, whoa. Whoa. And there might be some things that come and affect you that are different than that. And you're going to have things that come that will challenge you. It might be your spouse, it might be your boss. It might be a complete stranger. But you're going to have something come up to you. Uh, don't play right now, son. I'm not trying to be silly, but I just feel the weight of God here right now. Because I believe we all face life differently. And there's demands on my life that when I'm faced with things that go contrary to what I want, I have to come from the place of righteousness and from walking righteously in order to answer that issue. And this week, it was right in front of me. And I made a commitment, and I dragged you all in it. I dragged you in it. You don't like it, don't give. But if you like it, give me a loony. If that's all you've got. I'm serious. Because I want you to sow righteousness into our community. I want to see Canada changed. And right now, it starts in Abbotsford. So I'm, I'm quite serious right now. Righteousness. My position with Christ demands more than just me staying there. It demands that I walk in righteousness. And this week, coming, I'm asking God to challenge each one of you. Will you walk in righteousness? It's easy when it's going well.
But what happens when something goes contrary? What happens when your mentor straightens you up? You ask them for advice, and they give you advice you don't want. Will you be accountable and do what they say? Because I'm righteous, and I live righteous living. Or will you squirm, make an excuse, justify, and stay stuck and not making an impact? You and I were not called just to be. We are called to be and to do. And I'm not doing in order to get some reward in heaven, although I will get a reward in heaven. I am doing because of what he has done for me. So this morning, I'm giving you a call to righteousness. I want to pray. If, if any of you understand or hear what I've been saying and you say, you know what? I could probably improve in that. I'd like you to stand up. I'm not going to have an altar call, but I just want to pray. Yeah. If any of you are saying, you know what, righteousness, yeah, sometimes. It's okay. This is not a guilt trip. What I'm hoping to do is as you stand, your root is going to go deeper. And you're going to walk stronger. And you're not going to make the same excuse that you made last week. And it actually might involve tears. It might involve... It might involve turning the other way. But what it will also do is it will say, no, I am a righteous person because of what Christ did for me and I'm grabbed because of what he's done and I'm compelled because of what he's done. I cannot do anything but what he has done. He's modeled it. He's lived it. He's displayed it. I must do it. And I will make a mistake, but I'm making a mistake from here. And if I fall, I'm going to fall forward and I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to brush myself off. And I'm going to say I'm righteous because of what he's done. And also, I'm going to do what righteous people do. And Abbotsford will be exalted because of solid rock. That was a spot where you could say amen. Because each one of you will be a light. And I know there's other churches in Abbotsford that are standing with us, agreeing with us, looking at our community, saying, I love Abbotsford. And if it starts here, it starts here. And I'm going to go as a righteous person. Amen? Would you close your eyes? This is a holy moment. And I want him to speak, and I want him to dive deep. So as the music's playing, we're going to take just, just one minute. 
and we're going to stand quietly, but you're going to talk with God, your spirit. Inside you're going to speak, and, you're, and he's going to maybe, he might just put his finger on something and say, you know that attitude? Let's change it. You know your, your mode of behavior? Let's change it. You know, the way you cope with that and the way you speak out when that gets and you feel cornered, let's change that. You know how you worry about things after I've told you to give it to me? Let's change that. So the music's going to play and I'm just going to let him speak to you and you speak to him for the next minute. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for my community. And Lord, I pray right now for the hurt in Abbotsford. I ask that you would pour out the balm of Gilead. Lord, that we would be able to walk as righteous people in a world that does not understand righteousness, but it sure recognizes it. Lord, I'm standing up today because I'm not satisfied. I'm standing up today because I want to be considered righteous, not just because you've made me righteous, but that others will see the righteous things that I do. And Lord, as we even take a few moments to enjoy soup together and fellowship together, may our, our conversation be righteous conversation. Would you bless the food, the soup? Would you bless Pastor Daniel and Pastor Nelson as they're actually on the mission field today? Touch them. Lord, we extend our hands to them to see the kingdom established even further and greater in Vietnam. Hallelujah.